0: Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. There are lots of important dates in metals markets during the fourth quarter, and we have recently had confirmation of perhaps the most important one of all in shaping market dynamics to the middle of the decade. It's been announced that the 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party will begin in Beijing on October 16th, around six weeks from now. This will anoint China's new leaders on the Politburo Standing Committee and spell out some strategic policy goals. So what should we expect? Well, the fact that the event is so early in Q4 pretty much confirms that President Xi will have a third tenure. The makeup of key roles is less certain, And there will be reams of analysis as to whether Xi has managed to surround himself with loyalists. And the backdrop, let's be clear, is a tough one. There is no doubt that economic growth continues to undershoot expectations. Employment, particularly youth unemployment, is rising. China is being increasingly ostracized as trade friction grows. And there's a very real prospect of energy and food shortages over the coming months. And renewed COVID lockdowns are only adding to unrest potential. And all of this comes with the property sector continuing to be in the doldrums. It's the sort of situation no government wants to face. However, I wouldn't expect to see any major change of tack, though we may see growth expectations over the coming years top down a little. President Xi has made peaking carbon emissions one of his legacies, and I do think that we focus on China pushing energy transition even harder in a world of energy independence. Just as an example, recently plans were announced for a 10 gigawatt wind farm off the coast of Shandong. as a clear positive for metals demand. On the flip side, however, while Beijing won't want to see property prices fall, the sector's contribution to GDP will likely decline as new activity remains lower than seen over the past few years. This not only points to a lower growth model, but also a less metals intensive one, and may see future metals demand expectations lowered. Meanwhile, around the CPC meeting, we would expect some restrictions of movements of materials in the Beijing-Hubei region, which could affect bulk commodity supply, plus potentially there could be a swathe of closures of metal production in order to minimise pollution. Let's talk batteries for a minute. And while it feels that this has been a dominant topic forever, it is very much still a nascent one. And this means there's naturally some uncertainty in terms of demand. And this is, in itself is compounded by the fact there is debate around of the intensity of raw material use in battery manufacture, which is something we are not used to in commodity analysis. We know how much copper goes into a typical wiring circuit. We know how much steel goes into a steel beam. But in a developing technology such as electric vehicles or energy storage batteries, there's still a reasonable degree of waste in the system through loss and through failure. The speed at which this improves over time can have a big impact on 2030 demand. This is just one of the topics we've been discussing internally as we put an update to EV estimates through the system. We now model 35 million electric vehicle sales in 2030 from 30 million previously, which essentially equates to a 35% penetration rate. We've also raised the share of lithium iron phosphate cathode chemistry in the medium term as it is increasingly used for entry-level models and boosted demand forecasts for energy storage. Moreover, we've increased the recycled battery material available at the back end of the decade. Overall, the gains to LFP have been a headwind to nickel and cobalt expeditions, but we are still looking at 20% and 12% Kegels respectively in terms of battery demand for those metals through this decade. Under our new base case scenario, total battery demand would represent 18% of the total nickel market in 2026. It's up from 7% last year, and this rises to 27% by 2030. This really will mean enhanced security of supply pressures in the medium term to the benefit of nickel and cobalt miners. At the very least, until raw material constraints force a reversal to the onward-upward trend in average battery size. One of the key commodity beneficiaries of everything that has gone on this year is uranium. With the push for relative energy independence, low-carbon technology, and alternatives to Russian fossil fuels, nuclear power looks set for somewhat of a renaissance. Even Germany has finally buckled and allowed life extensions at operating reactors, albeit very short ones. While the Japanese government is taking more steps to restart facilities in the country. Also, many more contracts for modular reactors have been signed around the world. Positive sentiment from this has flowed into the World Nuclear Symposium, which has been held in London this week. And in recent times, this has been an event which has focused on the industry challenges. But this year, the potential opportunities were to the fore, certainly for the longer term. In the bit nearer term, however, the debate is still more around inventory levels. After all, it's been the overhang in inventory which has been key to keeping prices relatively depressed in recent years. There has been a rapid fall in accessible inventories over the past 24 months amid producer cuts, strategic stockpiling in countries with future nuclear plans, and of course, enhanced purchases by financial market players. And there's no doubt that the uranium market is in a large deficit this year. However, there's always been inventory available should spot buyers need it, and prices have essentially gone nowhere over the past 12 months. I'd highlight that at current spot and term contract levels, both Cameco and Kazatomprom, the big beasts of uranium production, make excellent margins. Though today's price is not enough to encourage new market entrants, with most projects looking for $60-$70 a pound to break even. Thus, I'd expect the major players to control the market in this current sweet spot for them, at least into 2023 when they can bring back some idle capacity, and that will slow the pace of inventory draw. The longer term... Demand dynamics look increasingly good in this market, but the legacy from the past 10 years has not been fully cleared yet. While we are talking inventories, I did want to make a few points about how these are playing into metal market dynamics at present. Number one, when demand is weak, inventory cover simply doesn't matter as much. If the denominator in your weeks of consumption equation is falling, that typically isn't a good sign. Number two, in many areas, I'd still see consumer inventory is elevated following panic ordering earlier in the year. And with interest rates rising, there is some pressure to destock. However, given the return of supply problems in recent times in Europe and in Asia, I'm now of the view that buyers are still nervous enough to hold higher inventory volumes, even if demand conditions are weakening. At the end of the day, the key role of a purchasing manager it's still to make sure there's sufficient material available to cover most eventualities. Number three, part of the reason buyers are nervous is that visible inventory is still low. And this is at the end of the Northern Hemisphere summer season, which typically sees inventory build. While, in my view, visible reported inventory is not representative of the wider market these days, it is the data that can be accessed freely, whether by financial or by physical players. And as such, I'd still expect somewhat of a risk premium in terms of price over what underlying fundamentals might suggest would be needed. And number four, just as how running down uranium inventory overhang doesn't matter for price until inventories get to normal levels, on the flip side, while visible inventory is as low as it is in the base metals, during these periods, there was no pressure to cut supply, until inventories rise to normal levels, or put another way, in base metals, we don't need to trade into the cost curve at present. And this is where we draw contrast to iron ore, where inventories are not low, and the price is likely to have to push supply off the market over the next month. Inventories will be one of the key topics discussed at 2022's LME Week, and I wanted to flag that I will be hosting BMO's 6th annual LME Week Research Seminar during the afternoon of Tuesday 25th October. If you are in London for LMA Week and want to hear more about the outlook for base metals, please do join. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. If you have any questions or suggestions, just get in touch directly. I do hope you can join me next time round to discuss more pertinent issues for global metals and bulk commodity markets. That was Metal Matters presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Martyrs on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research, in tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton at To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public disclosure.